was here on earth and, and the kind of encounters he had with people. And so we're going to spend a few weeks unpacking some of that. It's going to be a great time together. I encourage you to be a part uh, of the first, the first, the kickoffs uh, for that series next Sunday, uh, and we'll have a, a good time together. Um, this morning, though, uh, we have a guest speaker with us, and I'm going to introduce him in, in, in just a second here. Um, it's a blessing to be able to welcome people into our church to share the Word of God. And all throughout the body of Christ, there are men and women who are gifted in, in sharing and speaking. And uh, Pastor Steve Sewell uh, is not just gifted in that regard, but he's a good friend. Uh, and we've only known each other a short time. Uh, Steve is a husband. He's a father. He's a pastor. He's a chaplain. He's a chaplain endorser. He's a business owner. He consults with companies in all manner of leadership and, and coaching. He's a counselor, um, and that he does all before he has his first cup of coffee in the morning. He travels all over the, the country uh, doing all kinds of things, and I'll let him share a little bit more of that. He's originally from California, but currently resides in uh, just north of Kansas City, Missouri, um, and so he loves when he gets to come out to California. He is a huge huge In-N-Out fan, loves In-N-Out. And so you can already tell there's a lot going on in Steve's life. Megan and I got to meet him. Uh, we serve as chaplains at Life Pacific College, and, uh, and he's an endorser for that chaplaincy program and had come out and was doing some training. And we connected. We met for the first time, and then we got to have lunch uh, that week and just really quickly reali realized there was a connect, just a, a, a God connect there. And, uh, and so I'd asked him, hey, the next time you're out, would you let me know? We'd love to come, have you come and share the word of the Lord with us at Thrive Church. And so a few weeks ago, he had texted me and we connected and he said, hey, I'm coming out. And I said, please uh, come and share the word with us the, the, that, that Sunday. So would you please welcome Pastor Chaplain Steve Sewell this morning as he brings the word. I am very excited about being with you. I've heard about the church, talked about it. My boss is here. Where's Abby? She's back there. I'm on my best behavior. I'm not going to tell any inappropriate stories. She's probably got some. Don't talk to my child when you come to Seattle. She works with uh, our chaplaincy program at uh, Foursquare. She's great. If you don't know Abby, get to know her. She's got the greatest heart, and she loves people, and she loves chaplains. and She's also just really cool. <laughs> so uh, I'm glad that she's here, too. So what a thrill it is. I came in. The, I, I drove in. I was going to park in the, in the visitor section. Uh, you know, the, 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 where nobody was there. I showed up at like 9.25, and uh, where, where's the, the folks that, that I met earlier? There, there he is, by back there. So he, he comes over to my car, and he goes, are you Steve? And I'm like, hey, listen, man, I, I, I didn't do it, okay? <laughs> and and uh, he's like, no, no, no. It's like, you know, nobody, nobody comes this early unless you're like, you know, going to be the speaker or you're going to help us 
you know, set up. <laughs> and I'm like, I just came for the coffee, man. What's up? Where, where is that? And uh, so we, we, he led me right in, and I got in this door, and, and uh, I, I, I'm a pastor at heart, so I love connecting with people and how they get things, and I, I don't mind the, the, the back end of things, because that's, that's where we live, you know? And uh, so it was great to uh, just to come in that way and, and see the, the, uh, the backstage kind of like and then be able to pray with everyone. So it was just really, really great. So uh, thank you. How many of you have been here since the beginning? Okay. So uh, the rest of you came as a result of a few weeks later and, and uh, so forth. So that's really, really great. Well, I'm just uh, really grateful to be here. I, um, I got to be honest. Um, I came prepared to preach something else. Um, and um, during our prayer time together, um, I was just like, whoa, you know, this is interesting. Uh, God, what do you, you know, what do you want to do? The, the word of the Lord came from Sa- Sandy, is that right? Yeah. Uh, what? Lynn. Lynn. Sandy, Lynn, you know, same thing. <laughs> um, and uh, so, um, and it just, just, just begin to connect a little bit more. And I, I, I just, I thought, oh, 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 Lord, what, what might you be doing that's a little different than <laughs> what I planned? And it's, it's uh, pastors, if we're not careful, we can just like, excuse me, I have a word that I've prepared already. So, Lord, uh, back off. No, we would never say that, but that's our attitude. Not Barry's, of course. <laughs> Barry's never done anything like this at all. Never, never, no. So, I, 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 uh, I, I cornered him uh, during worship, and, and I said, uh, hey, are you, are you okay for a change? And he goes, yeah, yeah. And then you said more when you came up here to do your little mini sermon. And <laughs> a pastor has to preach. It's not like he can't. It's not like she can. It's not like Abby can't just like sit back there. She's got to do something. So, so I, I, uh, I, I, I changed, I changed gears. I, I always have things with me and I have planned it. I, I, I did something earlier in the week and I prepared something and I prepared my time for this time, but I, I felt like it was different. So, um, everybody hold up your right hand. Repeat after me. I will not shoot Steve. If this doesn't work out, because I'm a little nervous now for Steve. Keep going, keep going. And I will trust the Lord. I will trust the Lord, even if my toes get stepped on. Okay, I saw you. I saw you. So let's pray together. Lord, I am so grateful to be with this congregation. Lord, I've been thinking about them and praying for them. I've been thinking about what you want to do. And I don't think it's by accident, Lord, that things got shifted a little bit. And I'm just so grateful that you 
show us the way. And so we thank you for this time. We thank you for your word. We thank you for what you will do as a result of broken people coming to your love. In Jesus' name, amen. I, uh, I have a chance uh, weekly to uh, sit with people in a counseling setting. And I only take about five, uh, I say, clients, um, just because I'm, I'm, I'm doing so many other things. So I, I you know, technically, you know, I, I don't have a lot of time to be able to build in that. I was a hospice chaplain for about 11 years. So hospice, if you're not familiar with that is, is, is it is a, a, uh, a life-threatening disease that is, that is causing you to end your life within six months. And so the chaplain, me, would come into that setting, a nursing home, a home, or an assisted living, or uh, I've, we've done all kinds of different settings, um, and we just provide spiritual care to those patients and those families and things like that. Uh, I was also uh, a hospital chaplain, so I kind of know the chaplaincy world. I, I'm, I'm still working as a corporate chaplain now. Uh, so um, to kind of to kind of prepare us, I I, uh, I texted uh, twenty people. I just put together twenty um, uh, people on a list. I just kind of randomly did it, and and, uh, and I just said, "What do you regret?" And I got some colorful answers. Uh, I got some answers that were very thought provoking, very heartfelt. Uh, let me read to you what I what I got. These are not any kind of order. These are actually came through. They're my chicken scratch. You can't read them, but I can. Um, and uh, this is what I regret. Asked uh, I asked uh, twenty people, but I got twenty three responses. So let me just quickly read this. Uh, um, I regret that I spent more time with my, I, I excuse me that I didn't spend more time with my mom and my dad before they passed that I worried less about my business income. I regret not standing up for my beliefs at the party in high school. I wish I never got married to my first husband. I wish I would have thought more about me than what others thought. I regret beginning to drink because everything snowballed from there. I regret walking so, or excuse me, I, I regret working so hard that I alienated my family. I regret becoming a friend on Facebook to my old friend because now I'm divorced and not allowed to see my kids. I wish I was able to revive my son who passed away from sudden infant death. I wish my decision to abort my baby could be reversed. I regret placing my mom in a nursing home. I was mad, I was tired, and I was alone. I wish I would have gone to college. I wish I would have gotten a checkup three years ago. I regret being cocky and a know-it-all. It seems that's my reputation now. I regret choosing to stay in an unhealthy relationship. I regret selling my In Through the Outdoor album by Led Zeppelin 
for only $50 to buy the other thing I regret. I regret not pursuing my doctorate. This actually was true. I regret last night's dinner. Not last night's dinner. We were not mine last night. We went to prawns. Oh my gosh, it was good. So, but this person said, I regret last night's dinner. I regret, I regret dedicating the song to my ex-girlfriend, Didi. Don't stand so close to me. <laughs> Just Google the song. It's great. I regret that I chased a man who didn't want me while I pushed away the one that did, and now I'm alone. So my friend Jeff, he says, I regret not seeing Pink Floyd in 1978. <laughs> Thank you for being so spiritual, Jeff. I regret not saying I love you, and I regret holding a grudge to my sibling that went to her grave. You know, I don't know about you, but man, regrets sure hold us. What, what regret do you have? I'm not saying that you got a list, but you probably do. You just haven't talked about it. Girls have a list. Guys have a list. Children have a list. People who cannot speak anymore have a list. People who have never been able to speak have a list. People who can't hear have a list. People who can't articulate their words into a certain fashion because they might have regrets. I think there are different kinds of regrets. There's childhood regrets. I know of people that have favored one child over the other. And it's caused division and separation and unhappiness. And some of you have that regret because you were the favored one, but you wish you weren't because your siblings don't get any affection, any attention, any love. There's abuse. There's neglect. I spoke with a um, young woman who um, refused to um, act in a certain way that her husband wanted her to act. And um, she regrets marrying him. And he takes advantage of her. And does things to her uh, that is very, very dark. There's parents that have regrets about their abortion. That they regret not being able to conceive. They regret not having another child when the other one, when the other family member wanted to have more. There's illnesses. There's kids that are in crisis in there. And there's valuing uh, different things. Um, and there's, there's ways that we regret those things. And some people would say, well, I regret it. And, and another person would say, no, I don't regret it like that. But it's still regret. There's marriage regret. 
I heard someone say, I, I wish I would have ended this long ago. There's financial regret, the bottling up of money that just seems to grow and grow and grow, and we have this debt that's just a mountain, and there's no way that we're going to be able to come across. And I've heard children say that their parents have said, I can't wait till I die so you can inherit this because you started this. Imagine hearing that. Wish I could make stuff like this up, but this is what I hear. This is what you live in. I think there are spiritual regrets. We even talked about that this morning, not necessarily talking about it, but we related to it as we were praying. Because in truth, transformation takes place. A spiritual life has changed. But there has to be this understanding of, what do I do with the shame that I have? It's Sunday morning. The average person who was on Colorado Avenue in Pasadena last night probably, I don't know the percentages of them, but probably a good number of people wish that they would have made better choices. But that doesn't just happen on Saturday nights because that happens on Monday mornings. I talk to many, many pastors. You know, the worst day for a pastor is a Monday. And I've gotten calls by people all the time, and their response was, I'm ready to quit, Steve. And my, <laughs> my, my advice is, good. Do it. I dare you. That's always my response. And they said, well, don't you want to try to talk me out of it? And I said, no, are you kidding me? I left too. <laughs> I don't pastor a church anymore. Those people, if church would be great if it wasn't for you. I mean, come on, that's true. I mean, I love setting up. I love taking down. This beautiful table here is great. I don't mind taking this in and out, but it's you I can't stand. You're a piece of work. You, you need stuff. You're needy. You're like a leech. You keep sucking me dry. I'm just like, come on. But then I love you too. But it's hard. The pastor's in the room. You know exactly what I'm talking about. I think there are times in our lives where we have rededications. And then we feel like the next day we got to do another rededication. Because of things that we talk about or we do or we say or, you know. You know, I can't find grudges or regrets in the Bible. I don't, I don't see it. There's not, the word regret is not in here. There might be some things that go with it. But I, what I can say is that there is a word in there, and it's really close, and it's called guilt. What do you feel guilty about that you haven't dealt with that's causing you to have regrets. Most of us have regrets of some kind. I know I should feel regretful about asking my mother-in-law to leave. It felt great 
to ask her to leave after seven days of my house. Mother-in-laws are like fish. After three days, they stink. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. I have a counseling session available next time. We can talk about that. But there's something about the fact that we hold on to these things, you know. We struggle with what we're going to say, what we're going to do. We fall in line in this guilt. And I don't know about you, but out of the biggest ways the devil can make me go down, he's going to remind me all the time of the fact that you stink, Steve. Your life stinks. In Missouri, we would never say that your life sucks, but in California, I know you people say that. <laughs> I apologize if that's offensive. But really, truth, truthfully, sometimes the devil will just tell you, you are a stinky mess. Because of that one thing you did. Remember back in 1972? It was about 3.30. And you were living on this X street. Remember that? And that's what the devil does to us. Points it out to us. Oh, yeah, I love you. But there's that one thing. Oh, remember that one sermon you preached? It was kind of a bad day. Yeah, somebody else remembers that too. Oh, no. <laughs> Tomorrow, we can talk about quitting. <laughs> I think sometimes uh, in, in, all of my, in all of my experience with people, the two worst words in our language, if only. If only I would have been able to be successful on the football team, then my life would really count. If only I was able to listen to my wife when she told me not to buy that car. Or if only I would have paid attention to my boss and now I'm fired. If only I would have not done that. If only I would have done this. Right? We've heard those words before, right? They're damaging. Now, you might think, well, is there a positive to the regrets? I think there is. I think once we get to a point of like, oh my gosh, I have these regrets. Well, what can we do about them? Well, we could turn them over to the Lord. That's really what I want to talk about today is turning our regrets over. Because here's what I know. I'm 50 years old. My daughter says, Dad, you can't wear skater's shoes anymore. <laughs> I told her to get behind me. <laughs> I think my shoes are smooth. She says, Dad, you can't say smooth. You know, and I say, you know what? I think I'm down to earth. And she goes, you are so not on this earth. <laughs> She's 16. She thinks she knows it all. But here's what I do know, truthfully. When God leads me, I have no regrets. When God leads me, I have no regrets. Post that, I dare you. Tweet that out, I dare you. 
Because here's what I know. People fall down. And we like them to be down. Because we want to be up. We want to be above them. That's what's great about social media. My platform, whoo, yeah, I look smooth, even though I can't say that word. I seem like I'm good. And I talk to these moms who post about all these nutrition and essential oils and <laughs> massage and yoga. And I'm thinking half the women who wear yoga pants have never even been to yoga. <laughs> I'm from Missouri, so I mean, you know. But... You go to their house because they invite you in, because they want you to talk to them, and they want you, and you see their house is a mess, just like my house is a mess. And they say, "Oh, please don't, please don't look at this," you know. And I say, "This is where we live," and they go, "What? My mother never taught me that." And I, I said, "Yeah, our house is where we live." If you want to set up a stage, then yeah, have a room where you put your essential oils out in a nice little display or you put your, like, you know, you take pictures of your, of your Bible reading time, you know, and there's a flower, essential oils smelling up the place and you have your devotion and you have it, your Bible turned to such a great place and you've tilted it. Oh, it looks better this way. Click. And then you're like, click, you know, and you do all that stuff, Right. Some of you are laughing, but you do it. You should feel regretting about that. You should regret that. But see, what happens is, is that we, we, begin to, we, begin to, we begin to stage our life. And God would say, oh, I know there's, I know there's Steve somewhere in there. I can't really find him. Psalm 119 is probably one of my favorite chapters. When I was going through a very, very challenging time about five years ago, my wife and I, we had just resigned. We resigned on a Tuesday, not a Monday. <laughs> I, I remember that because I was like, well, I'm not going to resign on a Monday because I know what it's like. I, I, I know Mondays are hard. So if Tuesday I feel, feel, still feel the same way, then I'm going to quit. And we did, and we quit for all the right reasons. It took a long time for us to come to the place where we quit. And the Lord said to me, he said, Steve, I, I have reserved Psalm 119 for you, but actually what I want you to do, Steve, is I want you to read the entire book of Psalms. And so like a compliant person, I did. I read it very quickly. I wanted to get going. I didn't know what was going to be taking place, so I just wanted to get going. And the Lord <coughs> chastised me a little bit, and he says, Steve, thank you for your being compliant. Now, would you please read it again, and would you get your journal out, and would you begin to read it? And I so, like I did, I was compliant, and I read it, and I journaled a few things, and it took me about a month to go through the entire book of Psalms. And the Lord says, thank you very much, Steve. I appreciate that. But would you do this seriously, please? Have you ever been spoken like that to the Lord? It's a wonderful thing. It hurts like crazy. 
because you know what's going to be taking place is that God's going to reveal things to you. And let me tell you something. The first step to transformation is not by you saying, okay, God, I am ready. It's God. I submit myself to you. The first step of transformation is humility. The first step of being radically changed in your life is by humility. He's saying, okay, Lord, I've tried to do it my way, so now I'll do it your way. So I spent nine months. Oh, I felt like I gave birth, and I have no idea what that's like. But I gave birth to something. I have four journals, four spiral notebooks that are prized possessions. It goes right up there with my ring. I'd be willing to sell you one of my children, but I won't give you any of my journals. And you can decide which one you want. I have four, all at different prices. But I tell you what, Psalm 119 literally changed my life. Psalm 119, verses 1 through 8. I want to read that, and I want to jump to verse 54, and I want to offer you three things, because that's what a good sermon is, three things. (laughs) Psalm 119, blessed are they whose ways are blameless, whose walk according to the law of the Lord. Verse 2, blessed are they who keep his statutes. In other words, they keep his precepts or they keep his words. And seek him with all of their heart. They do nothing wrong. They walk in his ways. You have laid down precepts that are to be fully obeyed. And here's, here's, here's where regrets come in. Verse 5. Oh, oh, that my ways were steadfast in obeying your decrees. Then I would not be put to shame when I consider all your commands. I will praise you with an upright heart as I learn your righteous laws. I will obey your decrees. Do not utterly forsake me. And verse 54 says, this is my favorite part. I love these words. Take a picture of this. Underline it, circle it, highlight it, put essential oil on it, whatever you want to do. Here it is. Your decrees are the theme of my song wherever I lodge. Your decrees are the theme of my song. Folks, we sing a lot of songs. The whole chapter of chapter of Psalm 119 is about worship. It's about this adoring way of looking at God. It's discovering more of God. It's a life of conviction and courage after God. It's this idea that we're operating in a daily faith. That, that's what Psalm 119 about. It's the longest chapter. It should be because that describes our life. We have long days. We have long lists of regrets. Other people point to us and say, yo, you should regret that. You should do this. You should do that, right? All those people that should, would, you know, all those kinds of things. And yet, learning to worship without regret is God's message for us. I wonder, as we're thinking about Romans chapter 8, verse 15, 
or is it 15 verse 8? 8.15. When uh, Lynn or Kathy or Jane or whatever her name is was, was talking about that, I wonder if the spirit of adoption relates to a transformation. We have a church in my town, St. Joseph, Missouri. It's about 45 minutes away from Kansas City Airport. Um, Wellspring Community Church is a church where um, I know the pastor, his name is Bob. He's a wonderful, wonderful guy. They probably have about 15 people that have adopted children from other countries who have adopted children uh, from uh, there in a neighborhood and all that kind of stuff. They have this amazing adoption ministry. I wonder if we really understand adoption unless you have been a part of an adoption. We can't wrap our heads around that. But if you were to think about being transformed, you were once in this family, and now you're in this family. My daughter has a good friend named Anna, and Anna comes from Russia. Russia, at one time, was very challenging to be in, and Anna was snatched out of that and brought to America by her mom and da her dad, her new mom and her dad. Anna is the prize and joy of their parents. We love her too. Anna is over at our house probably four or five times a week. She loves eating in our house because her mom and dad don't um, give um, their kids sugar cereal. And like a good parent, we do. <laughs> and so we told her, we said, hey, listen, anytime you want to come over and you want to have Captain Crunch, you are absolutely welcome to do that. <laughs> And her parents look at us and he goes, you know, oh, Steve, do you realize what you're doing? I said, hey, listen, just keep smoking your essential oil over here. And I will. I hope no one, like, does essential oil business. Anybody do that? I, you, yeah. You do? I, oh, back there in the back? No. Okay. So. Did I tell you that our regrets don't add up yet? Okay, so Anna just is a wonderful, wonderful girl that just feels loved by us. We've kind of adopted her, too. So she calls us kind of mom and dad, too, you know. And uh, I tell Sam all the time, my daughter, I said, you know, hey, uh, Sam, uh, you keep your attitude up and I'll exchange you for Anna because Anna is compliant. She does what she's told and she has a room that's clean. You know, and she says, Dad, you don't know Anna. And I said, I don't really care to know Anna. Right now I know you, and I don't really care to know you either. So <laughs> would you please get your act together, you know? But, and this is the dangers of regret. I'm kind of being funny, but do you see this? That regrets don't add up. Your regrets that you think about as you're going through your life, they don't add up in God's eyes. They add up because your friends keep a list. They keep a tally. You should be doing this. I can't believe your yard looks as good as this or doesn't look as good as this. If you want to be in this neighborhood, by golly, you will do this. And we say things and we do things and we put these horrible vendetta regrets in people's lives. 
Now, I don't know about you, but I have my own list that I've had to say, God, would you take away? And I, what I love about this whole section that we, that we read is, is the fact that Jesus already died for our regrets. We don't have to die again. He already died for them. Look at it says, blessed are they whose ways are blameless. Today is Sunday. And it's approximately 18 minutes or 13 minutes before before 12 o'clock. And you're thinking, hurry up, dude. There's going to be another regret that you're going to think of in just a few minutes. Jesus died already for them. Don't you die for them. Don't you die for your own regrets. Let Jesus take that. That's what he's good at. It says, blessed are they. Blessed are they who keep his statutes. They do nothing wrong. They walk in his ways. You have laid down your precepts, God, for me. And then verse 5 says, oh, if my ways were steadfast, oh, things would be different. If I just would have not said that one phrase that hurt my wife so much. If I would have just not did that one thing that I did to my friend, things would be a lot different. We can think about those things, right? We can see those things. Jesus already died enough. A lot of times I'll, I'll make statements that really don't make a lot of sense until you get it. So let me make this statement. Lighthouse workers don't play cribbage. Lighthouse workers don't play cribbage. And you're like, wow, that's really profound, Steve. Next. <laughs> Lighthouse workers watch the sea. God watches over us. His main job is to look at you and go, oh, man, I love that guy. Oh, yeah, I really, really think that you're great. I really think that grace is probably one of the most things that made her look up since she wasn't paying attention. <laughs> I love you, grace. I love you. I love the way that you do things. Don't get your eyes off of me. Don't slip into some other unconsciousness. Don't start a business because somebody had told you to do it. Don't start going to school because someone said you should do that. Don't start doing something because those things lead to regrets. So regrets don't add up, right? We said that. What if? What if our life were to consist of watching Christ? Looking at him and not doing anything else. 
What if our life were to say, God, I wake up in the morning and I call you my Lord and my Savior. And if you're my Lord and you're my Savior, you've got my best interest. My desired outcomes are coming from you, not coming from my mother-in-law, not coming from my boss. I know I got to do the things I got to do, but I'm trusting in you, Lord. What if we were to really live like that? So you want to live a life without regret? Here's the deal. Open your Bible. Read it. If you're a journaler, journal. If you're not, think about it. Draw some conclusions. It's the same thing as journaling. You're just not writing it down. Contemplate what he wants for you. And realize that regrets are not going to move you forward. Regrets actually chain you to the post. And they don't let you go until someone comes around and unlocks that key. I have a... Um, I have a, a, a group of people that I've um, related with and they're um, parents of teenagers. And um, there's about uh, 10, uh, 11 groups of families. So there's 10 or 11 parent groups. Might be some of them are single, some of them are double, some are mixed, blended families, you know what I mean? And we were sitting together and we were talking and we were doing some training and we were doing some praying. And this um, idea came to me as a result of me reading something else. And so um, here's a practical tip for you if you're a parent of teenagers dealing with regrets. Or you're a teenager and you're working through your own personal regret list because you have them, or you're a grandfather, or an aunt, or an uncle, or a cousin, or a teacher. So here's what I suggested. Tell your teenager, or tell that student, to send you a text with an X in it, just X. It could be a drawn-out X, like you can do on those uh, texting Things I, I don't understand all that stuff. But um, or you can just send a click the, the 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 letter X and send it to that one person that you trust. So that one person that is meaningful to you, that that has this ability to look at you and go, Blessed are you. Send that X to them. And and if you're the parent or you're the grandparent or the teacher or the coach or the aunt or the cousin or whatever. Your job only is to send a text back that says this. I'm on my way to get you. Something has happened. Period. I'm on my way to get you. Something has happened. Get it? The teenager responds back with the address. Put that in your GPS and you pray between then and there. And you pick them up 
and you shut your mouth. They already feel horrible about being there. They don't want to be there. They got themselves into a mess. They didn't realize there was going to be a little more to partying going on, which you California people do with your essential oils. <laughs> There's a relationship that's going a little too far. And that teenage girl sends me a text at 12.30 at night. And I pick it up. And I said, I need to come get you. Where are you? See, I'm not promoting regrets. You know what I'm doing? I'm doing what Jesus does to me. He says, oh, Steve. Oh, I'm so glad you called me. I'm so glad. I'm right here. I, I, I'm right here. And there's this idea that when we, we, we hear from God, and, and that's when we say, oh, oh, that I would walk in your ways. So my teenage friends, they get a ride home from their coach or their teacher or their parent or whatever. There's no questions asked. You might want to ask a lot of questions, yeah. I'm a divisional superintendent. I don't ask questions on Mondays. <laughs> when pastors call me or when chaplains call me and they say, oh, Steve, I had the worst weekend ever. Sunday stunk. Tithing was down. Attendance was down. Our children's worker didn't show up. Ushers were horrible. The guy that was supposed to take the offering was drunk as a skunk. You know, oh, man. You know, I'm like, dude, there's always next Sunday. Leave it away. Turn it away. Turn your <laughs> walk away. As my daughter says, talk to the hand. <laughs> she says, Dad, you can't even say that anymore. That's <laughs> so yesterday. <laughs> but there's something about the fact that when we give in to these regrets, then we're just so... Listen, some of you, right now, you wish you could send an X to the Lord. You're all wrapped up. You're wound up tight. Because you've never really heard the Lord say to you, I forgive you. You know, I told you the first step to a transformation is humility. You know what the last step of transformation is? It's not turning around and doing something else. It's not saying to the person who gave you regrets, hey, you know, you don't lay out the, 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 the words that only you California people do on the highways. <laughs> Some of you are just now getting that. It's this amazing response of, I don't have to walk in that anymore. You know what the true sign of forgiveness is? Psalm 119, verse 54. Your decrees are the theme of my song. I don't know where you might be living right now. 
You might be at a loss. You might have some really hardships. You might have some really burdensome things on your heart. You might be coming off of a really bad weekend and you really needed to be here today. Because maybe the Lord has an adoption. There's that word for you. For you. You might be 13 years old. Or 13. Or you might be 113 like this guy is right here. <laughs> he called me a bully today. He, he said that I was like, I was, I was describing, he was describing me as a bully. Right. Oh, listen, I regret it, all right. You're going to regret it, too. Some of us here, though, are waiting till no one else is around so that we can kind of process what this is like because you've been living with regrets for a while and you'd really like to not. There's a gal here There's a gal here that has been put down so many times. There's a woman here that has been put down so many times that that's all she knows. That's all she knows. There's a teenager here that Not once have their father told them how proud they are of, of them. Listen, the, the, the reality of regrets is people die. I've watched them. I've watched many people die, take their last breath. And they have regrets and they go to their grave. I don't know where your theology is. I'm not here to talk about that. I don't know where you, what you think about death. I'm not even here to talk about that. But if you have regrets right now, you laid them down. Even if someone pushed those regrets on you. Even if you're that woman who has said, who have been said to for all these years, that she is worth nothing. If you're one of those regret givers, stop it in the name of Christ. Put on the spirit of adoption where you can come and you can say, I want to be with you, but I'm working through that. Would you go slow with me? But would you would you have time with me? Would you, would you help me remove these things? It starts with humility. It doesn't start with pride. It starts with humility. And it ends with forgiveness. I'm going to ask uh, our pastor to come in and uh, kind of close us out. There is a gentle 
invitation that has been extended. My prayer is that you sense that. That theme, that thread through this morning of a caring father who doesn't force, he invites. He invites. Jesus already died for your regrets. You don't have to die again. I believe that there are some this morning who you've spent the better part of your life dying every day or trying in an effort to feel just a little bit better. And the gentle invitation of the Father to you today would be this. I've already done the work. Allow me to embrace you. Allow me to come and pick you up. Something's happened. I need to come get you. And I love the simplicity of that picture. There's no explanation. Here's what's going on. Here's the circumstance. Here I'm, here's where I'm at. You know why? He already knows. He's watching you and he's waiting and he's simply ready when we say, come get me. So I invite us to stand this morning and invite the worship team to come. Would you close your eyes? Would you bow your heads with me? If you need to send that message this morning, as Steve talked about those teenagers who would text message that ex, there's a, re there's a response there. There's an in initiation that takes place with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Would you do this? If that's you today and you want to express to the Father, I, I, I need you. I need you to come get me. Would you simply do that by slipping your hand up? No one's looking around. This is between you and the Lord. But you would, would you just lift your hand to him and say, Jesus, come get me. All around this room, hands going up. Regrets falling away. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I thank you this morning that we do not have to live in a place of regret. That in you, our regrets do not add up. That they are covered, that they are under the blood. That Jesus, that you have brought the forgiveness and that you are bringing the wholeness and the healing we so desperately need. Father, I thank you for your gentle invitation that you do not force your way in. But you simply beckon to us and you invite us and then you embrace us and you love us. That there is no word of condemnation on your lips. There is no shame 
no guilt. So Father, I ask that you would cause those things that have clung to us, that have stuck to us, have lingered and walked with us, maybe for days, weeks, or decades, would you cause those to just fall away? Would you unlock the lock that has shackled us to the past and allow us to walk with you into the future you have for us? Jesus' name. Amen.